Hello and welcome to A Thriving Future, where we meet the pioneers leading the way towards a more thriving future for us all. In this episode, I am speaking with Yannick Schoenhoven. Yannick holds a master's degree in environmental sciences and has worked with farmers throughout southern Spain for over two years as part of Commonland and Alvelal. Although originally hailing from the Netherlands, she now lives on La Junquera farm with her husband and kids. In this discussion, Yannick offers us a really powerful framework for thinking about what it means to be a regenerative organization, as well as a ton of gems on what this looks like in practice from her experience. Let's go and meet her. Hello, Yannick. Welcome to A Thriving Future. Thank you so much for joining today. Thank you, Hannah. Um, it's nice to be part of this. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, I'd really love us to start today by just getting a little bit of an understanding of where you are in the world. Yes, of course. So I am based in the south of Spain, in Europe, in a place that's called La Junquera Farm. And we are based between two provinces, between Murcia and Granada. So we're really in the south and we are in something that we call the Altiplanos. So that's the highlands of uh, southern Spain. Highlands, uh, drylands, I call them. And uh, we have quite the extreme climate. So we have little rain, uh, a lot of sun, but also in the winter, it does get very cold. So we... We're quite extreme, I would say. Mm. Amazing. Thank you for that picture. Uh, and you mentioned La Junquera. Um, would you mind introducing us a little bit to La Junquera, what you do, maybe a bit about its history? Help us get a feeling for, for what this organization is. Yes, of course. So La Junquera is a regenerative organic farm, but this has not always been the case. This farm has been in the family of my husband for over 200 years. It's a place that's near a little water source, uh, which has meant over the past thousands of years that it's been used by farmers, but also as a trade route from Murcia to Granada. It's always been an important, uh, important place in the region. And... Since 10 years, my husband has uh, started taking over the farm and, and begun also living on the farm in one of the, well, I would say he was living in a ruin. And by, uh, by now we are living here with, um, with 20 people. There's a thousand hectares, so it's a big farm. Um, we have multiple businesses here thriving. There's a lot of uh, volunteers coming, students coming, um, and the village has come back to life, I would say. Yeah. Mm. Um, so that's a bit the, the, the space that we are in. Besides this, uh, we are still living in a very degraded landscape, in a very uh, empty landscape, because we are, I would say, the only people in 20 kilometers around that actually live on their farm. And wow, most okay. of the villages are really empty. So, yeah. So you're a bit of a, a light spot in a big, well, you're a, a sort of bit of life in a sea of, of quiet. Yes, definitely, definitely. 
I mean, if you drive to us, like, you're like, is this really, can this really be the place? Like, is there really going to be something somewhere where you go to our place? But then, yes, there is. Um, and we also, it, that's also what makes it beautiful, you know? You mm. walk out of your house and, and there is these beautiful fields. Um, it's very peaceful. Uh, there's a lot of animal life, a lot of nature sound. So it it also has the other sound, side of that. How far away are you from the nearest uh, city or town? Uh, so the nearest town is 50 kilometers away. Like the nearest real town I'm talking about. Like something that has, mm-hmm. you know, more than one shop and um, a hospital and uh, doctors and things like that. Wow. And like you say, pros and cons of that isolation, I'm sure. Yes, definitely. It sounds like a really fantastic place. And I've you know, been able to see lots of amazing images of, uh, of the site and the land. And it certainly looks really magical. Though, as you say, obviously, with a, with a bit of a troubled past, it's, yeah. it bears the scars of not necessarily the greatest tending over time. Yes, definitely. I mean, in, in the past, I mean, there's different pasts. Of course, like we have the far past in which tractors did not exist yet and uh, people tended to little pieces of land and this village was thriving. There were 150 people living here. Um, There was a bakery, a school, a church. And then, of course, there's the past when tractors came in the 50s, 60s, 70s, when all of a sudden, instead of 150 people necessary to to work this land, there was only one person needed with one tractor. And that's when everyone left. Um, So that's, then it became a very different landscape. That's when it became the empty landscape that it was when we found it. Yeah, I think that's a really important point to think about the different ways we've interacted with land and the different ways in which our societies have behaved and oriented in different time periods and how that kind of has shaped our landscape and our own internal cultures, how we, yes. how we behave. And I think, you know, you'll know the premise of this whole podcast, the premise of a lot of the work that I do in the world is this idea that if we want to have a future that kind of bring some of the best bits of that earlier past that you mentioned, and maybe earlier than that, who knows? Um, If we want to have a future that's really thriving, organizations, whether that's communities, farms, businesses, governments, charities, whatever, organizations have huge power to shape the world that we live in now and the future that we step into. And so how those organizations behave is really important. And at Tealco, we talk about the idea of organizations being more regenerative, more supportive of the the greater thriving of life. And and that being something that the organizations can do to help move towards this this more flourishing future. Um, But before we get into kind of what La Junquera has done kind of practically and how it's engaged with those ideas and what you've been experimenting with, I'd love to just hear in your words how you orientate to kind of what the idea of an organization might be that's supporting the emergence of a more thriving future, because the language of regenerative as relates to organizations and even as relates to agriculture, which is where that word kind of comes from, 
is not sort of really crisply defined yet, is it? It's still kind of out there in different forms, meaning different things to different people. And it may not even be the language that you use in relation to the organization that you're in either. But I'm, I'd be really curious to know when you think about how organizations can be supporting the emergence of a more thriving future, what, what does that look like? What comes to your mind? Yeah, so I think for us, something very important that we work with are the four returns. Uh, so we work very closely together with uh, an organization called Commonland. They are based in the Netherlands and they um, help and support large-scale uh, landscape restoration projects as here in Spain as well. And through them, we got to know these four returns. And these four returns are a way, a framework of looking at the landscape that says that you need to look at it from a holistic system point of view. So you cannot just, you know, plant trees without doing anything else. You cannot uh, just create jobs without that being sustainable. So it really looks at this whole picture of, okay, so these four returns, you need to indeed return the natural capital to an area, but also financial capital, also inspiration, because many times in degraded landscapes, that is what is lacking, this inspiration, and social capital. So you need to also upskill people, give them this new knowledge, uh, interact with them, uh, get jobs um, and entrepreneurship going. So there's all these different elements that have to work together to make us succeed in this very big transition that we are in everything that we do and everything that well we hope to be doing in the future as well is when we set up a business when we um, you know look at a landscape we always think like okay are we improving the jobs are we improving mm. nature uh, are people inspired by what we do um, is this bringing financial means to the region and if that is the case then this is a good business then this is a good project to start so yeah for us that is a really really important part of what we do i think that is just such a beautiful and succinct framework of well would you say that that's what a regenerative organization looks like is something that brings in those four returns consistently would you use that that word that language yes definitely of course depends on with who you talk uh, but for us, uh, that is a very, yeah, that is definitely what what regenerative is for us. It is not just one thing. It's not just the planting of trees. And then that means being regenerative. It's it's all those things together. And I think indeed not being so short-sighted and just focusing on one thing, but also valuing a lot this diversity that you need mm. to regenerate, I think is very important. Oh, I think there's some really amazing things to what you've just said, talking about this idea of being a regenerative organization as a really holistic and systemic thing. It's not kind of like, oh, a little piece over here, a little piece over here. There's something in there that's really acknowledging kind of interconnectedness and holism yes. that's, that's sort of coming across as really central to what you're saying. This piece about diversity and also longer term thinking, I think, was really sort of hitting me with what you said there, that that feels really strong to you in what maybe differentiates a more regenerative organization from perhaps the more degenerative model that, that unfortunately has become the dominant model um, across many organizational structures. 
that feels really powerful to me. And I'm really struck by, I think that the articulation of the four returns is just really simple and clear and strong. And I think I just so love that inspirational returns is, is in there. I, I wonder, could you say a little bit more about that? Because I think people have maybe gotten a bit more used to the idea of talking about social returns and financial returns, certainly, and, and maybe increasingly natural returns. But yeah, this one I don't think is spoken about very often. Could you say a bit more? Yeah, of course. So inspiration is a, is a difficult one to monitor. It's a difficult one to define. But it's also something that I have an example in which it became really clear. So four years ago, no, five years ago already, we organized here on this farm the Regeneration Festival. And it was an amazing get-together of, well, local people, local shepherds, farmers, everyone kids uh, with anyone from Europe and the rest of the world coming together to plant to the beat. So we did reforestations with a DJ being outside, with musicians being outside, and it was an amazing setting. And then in the evening, there was music, there was local food, there was zero plastic uh, policy. Um, there were workshops and, and, and talks, and everybody came together. And I think that's been... Well, first of all, one of the most crazy things I've ever organized. But <laughs> besides that, it's been such a powerful thing that we did. It gave such a sense of value to the people that lived here. They were all like, why on earth are people coming here? What does this place have that people value? And because people could explain why they love this place so much to come to this place... The people, from, the local people were like, ah, people, they, they, oh, this actually has value. This landscape is beautiful. This food is good. Oh, and that made them look differently at what they had and at the value of where they are and, and, and their produce and um, their landscape. And I, well, still every year people ask me, when is the next festival? You know, what? when is this happening? <laughs> you took my next question. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm every time like, oof, you know, that was a lot to organize. Like, a lot. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle it again. But uh, people just keep keep asking. Like, every year it's like, oh, yeah, the festival. That was such a nice, cool experience. And for three days, there were 500 people on this farm and all kinds of interactions. And, oh, yeah, I think that is what inspiration wow. looks like oh what an example amazing but I love also just how you were talking about that at the end there you know you're aware of this balance because the social capital perhaps require and I imagine the financial capital to put it on also making sure that those things balance out because yeah. you got a huge reward from that in the inspiration capital piece but it can't be at the total expense of your sanity and health and finances and so on. No. Um, yeah, I'm really curious. Do you have a kind of, is that formalized in any way within how you work in terms of how you keep in touch with how you're balancing across those four things? Or is it just kind of something that you hold in your minds? How does that four returns model actually live within La Junquera and how you work on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, so it's never totally balanced because I think very few thing, things in life are. But 
if we look at the whole farming ecosystem, we have different businesses. We have uh, the Regeneration Academy, which is our educational center uh, from where we do a lot of this social return. Then the farm gives a lot of financial return, but it also uh, does a lot in terms of restoring nature and restoring uh, biodiversity. So there's those things that are also um, coming in. And I think this farm, because of the, the, the space it has in the community and also what we do with a lot of local schools and open days, it, there, the inspiration comes in. So it's not that every or organization on our farm equally does everything, but all together mm. we do. So sometimes one does more than the other in a certain return, but that is okay because in total we have this covered. And do you have a, have there been times when you felt like you've been out of balance and you think, oh, you know, things feel like we're, we're maybe not bringing in the right amount in one of these areas or, and, and, you know, maybe there have been, have been instances where you felt a bit off balance and in which case, what did you do? Uh, how did you go about noticing that and responding to that? Yeah, I think when you get in the flow of working very hard and creating business, you sometimes forget about this, um, or it's e let's say it's easier to forget about, let's say, the inspiration, uh, the inspirational mm. part, that, uh, because it's a lot of giving without directly maybe receiving something back. So it's sometimes difficult, you know, to, to, to put time aside for that part. But then what we generally tend to do is like, ah, we, we need to organize something for, you know, for the community. We want to do a planting day with kids. We're doing uh, talks in schools. We get people to an open day and we, we organize a really nice lunch for the people. And then, you know, we feel like, ah, we, we're back in check, you know, and that requires also some reflection every now and then to see like, hey, are we still in tune with what is important for us? Or did we get like sucked in into the, the let's say the mill of, of, of making business and creating this monetary value? Because that's very easy, you know, you get into there and, and um, it's very important then to, to stop and say, hey, are we still where we want to be? Are we still on the, on the right path? And for example, now we had some some growth in our company and we we were looking into that and we were thinking, ah, now we really want to organize something for the whole team. And we have now so many different teams because there's a farm team, uh, there's a team of the academy, team of uh, ecosystem restoration camps, there's other people involved. So now for before Christmas, we're going to do a very, very fun uh, Christmas activity with the whole team and with everyone, getting everyone together and enjoying also, yeah, what we've done, what we, yeah, what we are making and creating all together. So mm. always keeping that in mind, I feel is very important. Yeah, oh, amazing. Sounds like a, a wonderful moment of celebration. Yes. And I love that emphasis on on the pause, on the reflection, on recognizing how easy it is to be pulled by a momentum and the need to kind of consciously pause and step and reassess, ah, are we really keeping ourselves in balance? Are we really still operating in the way that we intend and, and wish to? Yes, definitely. 
And you've mentioned kind of a several pieces about what you're, how you're bringing this idea of being a regenerative organization into how you operate at a kind of very practical level. Because I think that's really what, what many people are hungry for. They hear these ideas of how to operate in ways that are really restoring and improving things. And people, I think, overwhelmingly say, great, yes, that sounds absolutely like what we need to be doing. Sign me up. And then they go, okay, once I've said that, what now? How do I translate that into how whatever we recruit people, we design our products, we figure out how we price things, how we organize our time, and so on and so on and so on, all of the different kind of roots and branches of the day-to-day practice. And you've mentioned some of the pieces already uh, about kind of how you're doing that translation work and figuring out what this idea means in reality. I wondered if there was a little bit more you could say about any other examples of, of how you're doing that, that kind of translation of the idea into the real life, how you show up in, in work. And I also would love maybe you to just give us a little bit of the kind of the granularity of La Junquera. So you mentioned, okay, there's a business element. It sounds like there's also lots of other different elements. Could you take us to kind of the, the nitty gritty of, of what you are and how it works? Yes, definitely. So we are a very complex organization. Um, we, I would say we are a multifunctional farm, as they would call it. So we have the farm business, which is a separate business, which is managing the 1,100 hectares that we have. Um, within the farm, there are these houses that we call the village, where people now, around 20 people, live and work both on and off farm. So they, they pay a rent and they live there. Um, then the educational part of the multifunctional farm are actually two organizations. So we have the Regeneration Academy, which I lead with my partners, which hosts students. We organize workshops on regenerative agriculture. We work with local schools, with local entrepreneurs. Um, and we are involved in, in several European uh, research uh, projects. And there is ecosystem restoration camps. So the ecosystem restoration camps, they rent five hectares on our farm where uh, they house volunteers that help with restoring the natural areas on our farm and on other farms as well. So they work together with an organization called Volterra, which uh, sponsors trees and uh, bushes and they plant them with the volunteers everywhere so they are now planting this winter 10,000 trees for example which is a lot and yeah last year as well so for anyone who feels like volunteering please do (laughs) there is planting (laughs) everyone head to the website (laughs) get planting get planting yeah if you feel like you're too much in an office come and we we can find you something fun to do um, mm, so great. that is the educational part. Um, and then there is also another part, which are our entrepreneurs. So we have uh, Julia Casado, and she is a winemaker. She has her own winery on our farm. So she has a modular winery, which she uh, put on our farm, and she is making her wine and selling her wine on our farm. This is a separate business. But uh, we support each other. We learn from her with the students and volunteers. And uh, she has some extra hands when she needs to. So that works out for everyone. And besides, we get to drink nice wine. 
which is also mm-hmm. a great addition to any farm, I would say. Uh, and we After have... a hard day's tree planting. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> and we have the space. So that is good of our farm that, you know, there is space for these initiatives. And then there's other initiatives that are cider making. Uh, we have um, a business in uh, spicy uh, tomato chili jam. Uh, there is a business of vermicompost getting started. And there are some other uh, little businesses and uh, self-employed people that are working to set up something related to our farm or on our farm or just something in the world of agri-food and regenerative agriculture. Mm. So those are, let's say, the different elements uh, that we have, which is quite complex. But yeah, what I think is very important for us, at least, is that they are all separate organizations which means that one organization cannot pull the other one down because not, not everything works and not everything works the same way. And that is also good for diversity. So we don't want to, you know, we don't want to have everything under our, our umbrella because that would also, yeah, spread maybe too much our energy in what we are good at. And this way, mm. everyone can do what they are good at, but we all work together and we all help each other. And that strengthens i think a lot everyone's business oh that just sounds well i'm just getting so many different metaphors from nature coming up as you're talking um as you mentioned right at the beginning about diversity being a key element of how you see kind of organizations being more regenerative a key element of that is diversity and clearly you've demonstrated massive diversity in what you're holding at la Junquera. but also i love this kind of modular element that you've brought in here because you know so much of nature you can you know you could take a, a tree or a plant and you can remove you know a branch here a branch there and the tree will survive but so many systems that we develop in organizations you remove one part and the whole thing collapses everything is it, there is not that built-in adaptability that built-in fluidity that you've just referred to yes um yeah it's getting so many different metaphors i wonder was that at all intentional is there is there something where you kind of bring when you look at what's going on on the farm and bring that into how you're operating as an organization or as a, a community of organizations or is that just spontaneous i think it's something we learned over time um we learned it because in the beginning, it was just us two. And then there was people that said, hey, I have an idea. Um, do you have a job for me? And then it became mm-hmm. more clear, like, okay, we don't have uh, these resources to hire more people, but we have space and we could offer you space. And, you know, our brains to help you out um but we couldn't offer salaries so that's when these type of things started to exist more and more like okay you set up your business we have ours and that way we uh work together let's say to um to make it work but not all dependent on on our farm and that really helped and also i think we for us it became more and more clear that we cannot indeed be the be the organization that has all these um attached businesses to ours because then 
we cannot focus anymore on what we are doing best. So it was just mm-hmm. learning more and more like, okay, we need to focus on what we are good at and people can focus on what they are good at. We clearly see how it helps each other. So we do want to make it happen. We just have to make sure that we can all stay in our paths and, and, and keep working on our things as well. So there's kind of like a, a tension, but also actually like a beautiful synergy there of there's diversity in your collaboration, but there's also a certain degree of kind of each individually finding your niche, your specific spot, what you are really best gifted to do and kind of doing that and sharing that. Yes. So there's diversity and there's also kind of specialization going on. Yes, definitely. Definitely. And I think um, it's very easy, you know, to go very broad and and to do a lot of things a little bit. And that's, you know, Mm. what you kind of get sucked into if you don't watch out. But what then the problem is, is that indeed you, you don't have the focus to really see things through. And for that, you really do need these people to say, this is my full time thing. I'm really on it. I look, uh, you know, I find out anything I can about it and that works, then it works. But if you spread it out too much, then generally it doesn't get the attention it needs. Yeah, absolutely. Right. I want to kind of get a little bit more into these examples of how you're bringing this idea of regenerative, these four returns of how you're bringing that to life in, in La Junquera. You've already touched on so much, but I'm, I suppose I'm also interested in the kind of the financial return piece. I know that's where loads of organizations go, okay, how, how do we make this actually work? How does this keep us going? How do we, you know, how do I not have to give all of my savings to make this initiative come to life and to, and to thrive? Because as you, I think it's really important that we recognize that the financial piece is an important return. It's not it doesn't make an initiative less regenerative to have a good flow of finance flowing through it. That's actually key. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe you can talk a little bit to how La Jonquera orientates to that financial return and, and anything else you want to say about how you're bringing in regenerative principles into how you work. Yeah, definitely. I mean, money is definitely important. If we don't have it, we can do less. Uh, It doesn't mean you can do nothing. It will just mean it will take a lot longer. And that's something that we've seen over the past 10 years that in the beginning, uh, you know, we had some means to to get started and we were able to uh, make some of our first regenerative practices, um, but also Alfonso's first tomato uh, selling business uh, went bankrupt and he was thinking of leaving because he couldn't make it work. So if by then he didn't have the means to, to keep going, you know, that would have been a pity and that could have easily mm-hmm. happened. So it's not like money is the enemy. Money means that we are still here and that we can, you know, continue to grow and to make this, uh, make this work better every day. Um, but not everything gives money. And I think when you have a very diverse or multifunctional farm, that is okay, you know? So you have some cash crops that give loads of money, uh, but are maybe not the most interesting, you know, from other points of view. And you have some crops or some activities that don't give any money, that do cost energy and time, 
but that give this social return, this inspiration that bring the community together. And that mm. is also very important. So we, for example, we have our vegetable garden and uh, well, we are 20 people, but you know, it's not really a business because we, yeah, we don't eat that many vegetables in the end as to make that into <laughs> a very thriving business. And there's just not any people around. So that is something that really brings us together because we work in it in the summer nights, uh, we enjoy, we cook together, um, doesn't give any money. It costs money, yes, but other things in the farm like the almonds or pistachios or the aromatics, that's what gives money. So you balance mm. it out. But because you have all of those things together, you can have the people living here. You have people that love this place, maybe more because the vegetable garden than because of the almonds. And that is okay, you know? So if you have both... Um, I think you have a, a more, a fuller system, which then gives more to everyone involved instead of if you would have just have your ailments that give you loads of money. Mm. Now you have your vegetable garden. We have horses. We have an apple orchard. We have um, an office. We have some uh, gym area. We have uh, some other things and they are loads of fun, cost a lot of money, but loads of fun. And that makes it fun to live here. And that is something that's really important as well. Mm. Yeah, because I think there's something about the fact that you're a farm, but you're also a village. Yeah. And the, the living in the place where you are running your organization and that sense of ownership and collaboration that is cultivated by being there and the impact that that has then on the quality of the work that you do and the, and the benefits for, for nature and for, and for everyone that's involved. Yeah. I think, well, I love to live on the farm and I think as a farmer is really nice and helpful if you can be close to your land, because the moment you live there, it's just more important. It looks good. It's beautiful. It's a clean place. Uh, it's a healthy space. And what, at least what we see around here is that people that don't live on their farms that come there maybe once a month, they don't care if it's a mess, you know? They don't care if, it, yeah. if there's plastics everywhere. Um, and that's not true for everyone. So I don't want to offend anybody. But um, at least in this area, that's what you see many times. It's a pity. Because when people live here, it comes to life and, and generally also in a good way. Yeah. And I think we can all relate to that of recognizing that we feel a greater sense of responsibility for something when we feel we have a greater sense of ownership of that yes. thing, that environment, that place, that person, that job, that whatever. If we feel like it's ours, then our responsibility for tending it is, is so much greater. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, if I see here some trash somewhere thrown in the in the gully, I pick it up. But, you know, uh, if you see it anywhere else, you don't. And that's just, mm. you know, uh, how we people are sometimes. So I'm curious about, you know, the amazing things that you've managed to do in this space. The, as you say, kind of bringing in all of these different types of benefits, really supporting the greater thriving of life across the people who are involved, your customers, the community around you, the ecosystem that you are sharing. I'm interested in what has 
enabled you or facilitated or supported you to get to this place, to, to have the impacts that you're having? I mean, like you say, the fact that you have space and people can live together on the land, I wonder if you would say that's been a key enabler. But, you know, what else? What's been important, actually, when you look back in, in really helping you to get to this place? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things. Um, there is community, uh, and a group of farmers. Uh, for example, like we had in Common Land, a group of people that want you to support you and to make it work. That's really helpful. Uh, Alvela, which is a local association of farmers, really helped us to also learn from them interact, uh, share knowledge, uh, share experiences. And that's really key because if you feel you're the only one, it's very difficult to keep going in the times it's, it's not going well, you know? So mm -hmm. the, having that mm -hmm. community uh, helping you, supporting you is extremely important. And then um, the knowledge part is really, really a thing. So at some point you have to get knowledge on your land, on... Uh, what type of things mm. you would like to uh, implement. Um, anyone that has already done it. Um, people that done it, that didn't, it didn't work. You know, you want to get to know the, the this context. And of course, indeed, you need a space. You need to, in our case, what we needed and what we did not have in the beginning was a space for students, a space to work. So now we have an office um as internet that generally works mm -hmm. was quite important which <laughs> we did not have in the beginning now we are a little bit uh better uh <laughs> yeah connected let's say uh so it makes it easier for people to come to stay to have calls to do things um i think indeed having easy access somehow in our case you know we're we're next to a, a normal road because if you don't if you're a sandy road that gets flooded half of the time it's very difficult to for people to to get there with normal cars mm -hmm. um you know if you sometimes have a bus of school kids coming impossible so those type of things um yeah you need to think about what is what do you want to do and how you know how are people going to get there or how are they going to stay? Do they have to stay over? Is there a hotel or something in the area or is there like literally nothing, you know? Where are you yeah. in, in, in your Make context? it easy for people to, to help and get involved. Yeah, in definitely, definitely. So that's also mm. things we learned and we, we did not have in the beginning, but we had this indeed this physical space to make that work and to make it happen. And I think with that, mm. you know, when you have 1,100 hectares, I, I do realize this is maybe easier than if you have 10 or one or whatever. But yeah, you can do with your space uh, what, yeah, what is possible. Um, and in our case, this is, uh, this is what we can do. Amazing. I'll, I think we'll turn again uh, in a minute to kind of perhaps the enablers within you within you and your partner and the people around you that that maybe also I wonder have have helped kind of contribute to to where you've got to but I'm curious you also mentioned you know how important it is to gather knowledge to learn from people who've gone before you to also learn from things that haven't worked 
So I'm curious to know, have there been experiments that haven't worked? Have there been things that you've tried and thought, oh, okay, no, that that wasn't, that didn't work for us, but here's what we've learned from it. Are there are there lessons that you could share from the tribulations that you maybe have encountered along the way? Oh, we've done so many things that haven't worked. I think like literally one out of <laughs> 10 experiments work and the rest doesn't. But that doesn't mean you don't learn from them, no? So mm. we've had, for example, you know, in, in regenerative agriculture, there's a lot of talk about no-till and, and how that is the solution. And that's what I've read and that's what my husband has read and that's what we believed to be the solution. So we started this no-till experiments in our pistachios. Um, that definitely did not go well. So almost all of our pistachios died. And I don't know if you know how expensive a mm. pistachio is, but that's like 10 euros a pistachio or 12. Um, thinking that that is around 600 pistachios. That was an expensive experiment. Um, mm. And then we realized some things you have, well, actually all things, you need to take into account your context. So we are in a very high, dry, um, very poor soil context in which uh, the sun has an extreme power over the soil. Um, many times uh, making like a layer which is impermeable for oxygen, and that has to be loosened up. So if you do a no-till, sometimes you, you stop that oxygen going through and trees don't get any nutrients anymore. And that's when we realized, okay, wait, we need to find kind of a compromise in this whole situation. So that's when we started to do uh, vegetation strips between the trees. Instead of full no-till, we started to do these strips. And that does seem to work. So... It's also trying and error and seeing, okay, maybe I shouldn't go like full in with this mm. quite extreme measure for, for this area, at least in the north that works, but here not yet. Um, and maybe I should, you know, do it indeed in a way that uh, it might work, that it has a chance. And then later, who knows, maybe um, the soil is has improved enough so we can expand this uh, practice. And that is something I've definitely learned. And besides, we've done many educational activities with the Regeneration Academy, in which, you know, we needed to bring people to the farm. And we thought that's amazing and fun. And it is. It's just that bringing people for, uh, from this area from, for a full day was not something that they could uh, do because all the people are farmers and they don't have a full day and there's not that many people around so that was quite difficult so we needed to also change that a bit and say okay if people come they might come in a weekend and they might come and they bring their whole family because you know uh, what do you do with the rest of your family on your full day mm -hmm. out uh, and that's when we also started to think more about that. Okay, how can we maybe do things that include this whole family and then um, also your impact uh, increases. But yeah, in the beginning, we had activities that maybe three people came. And now, luckily, we are in a spot where we the last open day had over 100 people. Um, 
and and you know that was all of a sudden like okay uh guys get cooking you know we we don't have enough food <laughs> pick up some uh pumpkins from the garden and uh yeah that that was the other extreme that's when we kind of overdone it uh i would say almost but um yeah you never know <laughs> yeah Oh, and I think there's some really valuable lessons in there for all kinds of organizations. This idea of finding kind of small ways to experiment and learn that don't kind of put all your eggs in that basket, that there are ways for you to test and learn things. Even, you know, because like you say, there might be expensive mistakes along the way. And that's, but there's, if there's real riches in the lessons, then that's, that's fine. But as you say, kind of finding ways to experiment and learn in ways that aren't going to bankrupt you. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, and I think I certainly have a kind of question often in my mind as I'm thinking about um, regenerative organisations is the kind of the relationship between regenerativeness and scale and kind of how sometimes that feels, that can feel attention. Like you say, suddenly there's 100 people. Oh, it feels like we have to be more attentive to making sure that that's a really regenerative event for the environment, for you as the hosts and so on. And it feels like that's something that, I don't know, I'm, I feel like I'm constantly holding that question about how scale and being really regenerative relate because nature manages it, but in different ways to, I think, the way our organizations are currently structured. Yeah, I think, indeed, the bigger you go, um, the more tempting it might be to, to you know, let all the small things go. Mm. Uh, it's like, yeah, that's it. Com- compared to, you know, these big things that we're doing, how, how important is that small activity or the small thing that we do on the side? Because some things grow fast and big and some things don't. But I think... There again, I really get back to this theme of diversity. Um, These small things are what also gives value and what brings the fun and what um, brings this inspiration. So when we kind of set aside those, those, those small things because we think, okay, we're scaling up, we're scaling big, and now we are back in in the monocultural system, let's say, um, just because you know that's where the flow brought us. Because that's what the flow does, you know. That's what we kind of get into as 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 far. But also, I think in in other organizations, uh, you get into this flow of producing more and more and making be- more and bigger, and and all of a sudden you're again in a place that maybe you did not mm-hmm. want to be in, mm-hmm. but then that just kind of happened. And I think that's a bit the danger for us humans uh, because we love to grow, you know, we love to grow. We love to expand and be bigger. Um, and that will always be a danger, I think. And also for in regenerative systems, when it, something gets very successful, um, yeah, that is something to really keep in mind. Mm. How do we keep the core healthy? Mm. And I love also your emphasis on ke- keeping the attentiveness to all of the small pieces. Yeah. That they, as we get bigger, it maybe gets 
more difficult to to keep that attentiveness or maybe that's the challenge is to find ways to to kind of expand but in a way that maintains that attentiveness that keeps the same level of attentiveness to the those small pieces that we can manage when there's two of us or 10 of us or 100 of us that become more challenging when there's 100,000 of us yes um how do we how do we manage to keep that small and big at the same time mm and i wonder this feels like a kind of uh well i don't know if you would frame it that way but i think other organizations i've worked with have definitely talked about that as like a challenge you know and and i loved how you were talking about that as kind of like the flow the momentum of the system around us is kind of often pulling us in certain directions and i wonder if there's anything more you'd like to say about the kind of challenges of going down this path because you know i think this is this is not a, a unfortunately yet a normal farm you know this is not the dominant way of farming this is not the dominant way of living this is not the dominant way of business um and so there's kind of a big pull towards the dominant way what challenges have you experienced in going down this path of trying to to kind of carve out something that's different that's more regenerative i think uh challenges are there's many. <laughs> um, it's just a lot. Uh, one of them is that as uh, being a pioneer makes it you always have to be kind of, let's say, the first to find out something, which always makes it, it takes you the longest of everyone else. You know, after you, there will be many people doing it a lot faster, a lot better than you've ever done it. Uh, but maybe... Be, Without you, nobody would have done it at all. So there is that mm. Mm, thing that you need to reconcile with as a as a pioneer, I think. Um, and I think there's also this 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 challenge of you mainly you you know the conventional way of doing it. So it's easy to use that as your as your framework, as your way of thinking, as your, um, yeah, it frames your ideas, let's say. And, you know, sometimes I'm, 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 we're talking to investors, we're talking to people, for example, with the Regeneration Academy. And, you know, very soon it gets into, okay, we can, uh, you know, there's money, but it has to be paid in 10 years. And then we're like, but we don't feel that's regenerative because that makes us, have to push it in a certain way that we have to grow that exponentially in a way that we don't almost don't feel comfortable anymore to make something mm -hmm. happen that is supposed to be regenerative but regenerative also i think means a different type of growth it's not this pushy conventional type of growth that we say okay we're just going to go for for the 100% uh, profit um as fast as we can you know because that is what puts aside all these really nice other activities that you can only do if you have the time the energy and a little bit more space and resources that you are losing if you're going only on the time and the the, the biggest interest rate and i think that's that's a challenge you know and that's a challenge in which mm. if you are in this momentum you're like yes Let's go and we're going to do it. And, and, and we're going to do it as fast as we can because it's, now it's so necessary. But what then 
later you think about it, it's like nah, yeah but it's also important to have an organic growth and to make this growth fit in the system and to make the people that are already part of the system and the ecosystem that's already here have time to transform to this to this new system and i think that is something that it is a challenge to to um yeah to indeed reflect on this and 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 stop yourself for a moment thinking is that the best way you know is that the best way or is just the way we know and we know that that is what mm. investors like and that is how the world turns you know because it has always turned like that and that's why we don't know any better but if it would be yeah you know if we could choose i would say let's choose 20 years and let's say hey we have a really really beautiful project going on we want to set up this educational hub we need this uh, money but 10 years is just going to push us to do it in a way that we are going to get as you know do these things with the people who are going to give us most money for doing these things which in the end does not have the biggest impact and it will not create that much of a positive impact in this territory so let's think what is the best timeline and not have ourselves be pushed by all these forces that know how the world turns you know because they've always done it like that oh that was just amazingly articulated as you were speaking what kept coming through my mind was a shift from it sounds like you know when you're talking about these investors or a, a particular circumstance that's saying you know maximize the amount of whatever financial return the amount of output the amount of volume whatever maximize it versus this optimized approach that you were talking about which feels like it's holding these four returns piece in mind it's holding this more balanced outlook this more holistic view of what a good outcome, a good return, a wise future plan would look like. And there's this kind of pull towards short-term maximization. And there's this kind of challenge for you as pioneers and, you know, am ambitious regenerative organization builders to stay grounded somehow in optimizing instead and, and maybe a, a longer-term, more systemic picture. Yes, definitely, definitely. And indeed, what you say, it's it's a lot of push and pull. And there's a lot of mm. forces in this game that, you know, try to to get you in in this conventional flow of how things have always been done. And I think that's where we all need to look twice and we all need to think twice on, okay, yeah, but is that the world we want to build? Yeah. Is that, that how we look at the world? Is it just one, is it not even one generation that we're looking at? Is it just, you know, these mere 10 years, what do they mean? You know, how sustainable is that? Mm -hmm. mm. Oh, well, I have a question for you in a moment about how you personally keep yourself grounded in that when, as you say, there are so many strong pulls encouraging us to, 
to kind of go faster, to think short term, to maximize and so on. But before we go to that, I wanted just to ask you, thinking back over all of the experience, because you, as you say, have so bravely gone first, <laughs> you've, um, you've done a lot of the hard work for so many of the people who are now eager to follow in your footsteps. And I wonder what tips you would you would now give if you're if you were speaking to someone who is maybe within an organization of some kind which is currently maybe quite wrapped up in the more degenerative more widespread models and they're seeking to shift that some way or you're maybe speaking to someone who's seeking to set up an initiative of their own in some space and they want to be part of this different new more regenerative story are there things that come to your mind as kind of key things to try and focus on, to hold on to, or maybe areas where you'd say, this is where I would start? Any tips you have for our, for our imaginary entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs? Um, there's many tips, always many tips, but I think... As an entrepreneur, I think, first of all, think, is what I'm going to do, is what I'm busy with, is what I want to do, is it actually having a positive impact? Is it having a regenerative impact on the world or not? Because also, I think many things people are doing, maybe they're not so necessary at the moment. You know, maybe we should start focusing on things that are more or more necessary is it going to have a positive impact and if so uh, in which of these i call them returns but you can use indeed whatever framework feels good for you is it having a positive impact in all of these returns or maybe not and can i make it in a way that it does have this positive impact because here we can let's say put a new crop that gives more jobs, but maybe um, we can only hire these people part-time. But then we find a way in which we can actually offer people all-year contracts. That for us is this extra step that we can do to make this a better place. Because with a full contract, people can uh, make their life. They can you know, build on something. But with a temporary contract, they're always you know, let's say they, they don't have any security. So that is one thing that we always try to do. Like, can we take this step further? You know, are we doing enough? Uh, should we maybe change something and then we can do just a little bit more? Is there more possible? And I think that is a, a tip I would like to give. Like, don't, don't give up, mm. first of all, don't give up. It's, it's, it's not hopeless. You know, we're, it's not the end of the world yet. We still have a bit to go. Um, and we can do things, you know, and we can do things even within where we work, where we want to work, what we want to do. And I think it's very easy to think like, oh, there's nothing left we can do. It's already too late, but it's not. Let's not think it is. Let's think, okay, I'm going now to work within, you know, within my circle, I'm going to take the steps that I can do 
And I think that is something that if, if we focus on that, you will see a lot of change. And we see a lot of change. And that is, that is not nothing, mm -hmm. you know, that is, that is something. And that is uh, every year change. And it's changing many different things. Now there is 20 full-time people working here. And we had one before. That is a change. That is a big mm. change. And, and there's more changes, you know. We have now 50 uh, people with businesses around us that have more work because of this farm. That is a big change. And that does give life to this territory. And it doesn't go from one year to the other. It doesn't. But bit by bit. And you will see this change. But don't give up. Well, I think that that leads us beautifully to my final question, which was really around, well, it's my strong conviction that what we see externally in the world is a reflection of what's going on internally. That if we are holding degenerative, extractive behaviors, mindsets, language, ways of um, thinking within ourselves, then we see that writ large in the world in terms of how we interact with it and what we see, the dynamics we see at play in the world. And I'm so curious to understand what you do in your life. How do you, or the people that you live amongst, how do you look at that? How do you work on that internal piece that either kind of helps you to be more regenerative externally and also how does that how does that also keep you resourced for what you were just talking about about this piece of being able to kind of keep going to to acknowledge the challenge that we face and see all around us but to manage to also see the beauty to also to continue to to be heartened and loving and uh, and to believe in the possibility of a more thriving future what does that look like for you? I think for me, a very big part of it is that we do it with more people. So we're not feeling alone. And whenever you feel like, I don't see how I'm going to make it work or I'm going to make it happen. There is these other people in our team, in our village that are saying like, hey man, I know you're having a tough time. We're going to help you. Hey guys, let's all come and help out for a day and we make it work, you know? And I think having a team or a group of people around you that can support you is extremely important to not let, um, yeah, to not feel down because of course it's very easy to feel down. There's a hundred thousand challenges, uh, the harvest fail, um, climate change, oh the big challenges I'm not even starting with because they're, mm. you know, they can make you feel very sad. Um, but when you spend a full day planting outside, reforesting, reforesting an area, uh, working in the vegetable garden, garden, eating your fresh tomatoes, uh, making an apple juice together, then you feel like, yes, but this is what it's about. You know, like mm. we are here, we're working with our hands in the land we are enjoying time together. We, uh, we, we enjoy nature. Um, 
And I think also, to be honest, for me, a very important part is to not have the constant inputs that you have in a city of hide this. You need to get this to be happy. Mm. You need to get this to be pretty. You need to uh, buy. Like you, like literally, you walk into a city and, and it's only about consuming. Mm. It's only about consuming. And sometimes I'm here for a full week and I haven't gotten into any city and I haven't thought about any of those things once. You know, oh, I need to put on this cream that makes my skin shine. Uh, and I don't have it, so I need to buy it for 50 bucks. Uh, you know, or stuff like that. But yeah, it's just not present. And because it's not present, all those stresses that you might have because of consumerism, you don't really have them so much. So if you go to the, the to the city once a week to get your you know your weekly groceries and you buy uh, the socks that you needed or whatever, um, or you go to a big city and you go to the theater and the theater is really nice. But having that daily stress of 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 having to consume is just not really present. So I feel there's just a lot less of that stress and of that need to um, yeah to 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 restore yourself although for me restoring myself means maybe going to the theater you know going out <laughs> yeah. and <laughs> getting a cocktail and uh, and that's also fine you know yeah it's, yeah it's not that we're also living in modern times so i have a car you know if i need to i go mm-hmm. uh, and i see my friends or or i go and see my family so Things are not impossible, but it's it's just this this peacefulness of of, of living here. Um, I think is something that many people might miss. Mm. Yeah, I think. Well, hearing you, I hear presence coming across very strongly as something that, yeah, that a lot of the systems, the macro systems of today, are they seem to be working very hard to make sure that we don't (laughs) feel any sense of presence. There seems to be um, very limited spaces in our lives where that's encouraged, allowed, possible. Yes. Um, And as you say, so much of how cities work now on the current economic models that we have, it's uh, it really, it really isn't a space for for presence, as you say so often. And but if you spend most of your life in a space where you where you do have that, then as you say, going in and enjoying the the gorgeousness of it, the beauties of it, the richness of it every now and then is is amazing. But I again, it seems like balance, balance of your return. Yeah, it just feels like a a really key theme for for our discussion and and playing in here now too. A balance of Tomatoes and cocktails. Yes. <laughs> yes, definitely. Or a Bloody Mary, mm. if you want. You can yeah, there we one. go. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Oh, Yannick, I just don't know where to begin with my gratitude for all that you've shared and offered. I really want to celebrate you and your partner and all of the pioneers who are alongside you because as you said, there's, it's a, it's a tough thing to kind of have to cut, cut the first path 
and to be one of those people that walks those first steps. And it's making it a lot easier for the people that will follow. But I just want to raise a virtual glass to you and just say a huge thank you and celebrate the work that you've done because I think the ripple effects are are being felt. Thank you, Anna. That's really nice. Thank you, Dodes. <laughs> Not at all. Thank you so, so much for all of your time and insight. Everyone who's listening, please, please go and visit La Junquera. We'll put all of the social things on the on the podcast notes. Um, so you'll be able to find Yannick, you'll be able to find the community. And hey, maybe you want to do some tree planting this winter. Um, yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect uh, you'll be put to some good work uh, if you let them know. But yeah, thank you so, so, so much. Thank you. And uh, well, and if you're ever around, please visit. Oh, I've I've kind of made a mental note that I need to be making my way to southern Spain. <laughs> great, great. Well, we, we are expecting you then. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Okay, well, consider it, consider it a plan. Great. <laughs> wow. I hope you found that discussion as valuable as I did. I think that we covered some really important territory in terms of the elements that make up what it means to be a more regenerative organization. Elements like holism and resilience and long-term thinking. I also think that the four returns model that Yannick introduced to us is just an incredibly simple, memorable and powerful way of holding a huge amount of the complexity that sits behind this concept and idea. I just think it's incredibly useful as an idea and really great for communicating something quite complicated in quite a straightforward way that lots of people can engage with and relate to. I also really loved her provocation at the end to remember not to just do things the way we always have done, to kind of fall back on what we know, but to really ask ourselves the question about whether this is really right, whether that's the right way of doing things now, whether there might be a different way of working that's more supportive of the thriving of life. In the show notes, you'll be able to find links where you can learn more about the Four Returns model, about La Junquera Farm, and the courses that they offer at their academy. As you heard, they are looking for volunteers to help them over the winter, so do be in touch with them if you're interested in joining. This will be our last episode before Christmas, but we will be back in the new year with an amazing discussion with the brilliant Cressy Wessling from Elvis and Cressy. I'm wishing you a really restorative and joyful break, and I look forward to being back with you in 2023.